Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer and Delaware, soccer and the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Hey, buenos, buenos tardes. What's up, man? This might be, I mean, don't get me wrong, when uh, the next week's episode comes out and we talk about the fact that we, where we recorded is pretty, but I mean, how, how cold is it where, where you are today? Uh, too cold. Actually, no, it's actually pretty warm. I've got my watch is saying it is 53 degrees. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I haven't been outside. Is that inside, is that, is that inside or outside? I mean, doesn't your watch tell you what the weather is outside? I don't yeah, know. It's, it's saying 52, 52, 53. Yeah, I'm sitting in like 80 degree weather right now. I mean, it's not as sun as it was. It's not like it was uh, when you were doing your last minute Christmas shop. You got to run into the store because it was so cold. <laughs> uh, sun, very little clouds in the sky. Uh, staring at a pool, which I may potentially be going into later. Uh, staring at a pool so, too. Yeah, so. yeah, it's just covered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. So I'm still in Argentina, um, recording. Uh, today's tomorrow's episode today so i guess there's thursday today uh almost almost to the end of the year actually this is the last episode of the year yeah because it's going to be once this drops it'll be 12 30 and then you'll have new year's eve which is saturday and then you have new year's day and then people gotta go back to work unfortunately People do have to go back to work. I have to make my way back home um, in about a week. Um, so hopefully you can get back. Hopefully I can get back. I mean, it took me long enough to make it here. So, um, so yeah, we're 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 getting there. We do have an interview today um, that we pre-recorded, uh, so you'll hear that in a little bit. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to kind of wrap up the year. We I mean we talked about the World Cup. Um, uh, we talked about the World Cup last week with Mike, uh, my dad. Uh, but I wanted to, I wanted to bring up some stats because there's some stats that we haven't necessarily talked about. So uh, golden boot winner, or sorry. Yeah. Golden boot winner was killing Mbappe with eight goals in the tournament, um, which I think if anybody were to, if you were a betting man and I'm not, you're slightly more than I am. Um, you would have thought that that would have been a good one to, to, to get. Right. Yeah, I think that's a it's a solid bet. Kylian Mbappe get eight goals. Me, I'm always betting the underdog. Like I would, I would have, you know, my guy scored I think one goal the whole tournament. I he would have gave him a run. Two, two. He got two. Uh, he, got he, two, two he got a consolation goal somewhere. Two, two, two. Pete ignorant. So, scored two PK, PK goals in the tournament. There you um, go. Consolation goals. Harry Kane with three assists was this list assist leader. Um, which I also believe that um, Messi may have been close to that that stat as well. Uh, yeah, Messi had uh, Messi also had three assists. So did Griezmann. So did Perisic. So did Bruno Fernandez. Hey, Griezmann was dish- great. Griezmann was dishing the ball. He's doing a lot of dishing. Griez- Griezmann was playing as an eight, but well, I think Griezmann, I think Griezmann was happy to play before the 60th minute. 
Um, I think the only reason why Harry Kane got more got the actual award was because um probably had more goals, maybe. May, no, because he Bruno Fernandez also had two goals. Had more shots on goal, maybe. So um uh Roman Saiz from Morocco had the most amount of clearances, 57 clearances. Center Most back from Morocco. Yep, that's what we're tracking now, man. Booty. Uh, um, uh, Vardiel from Croatia had 56. Otamendi and Romero had 54 and 53 from Argentina. And the interesting thing is Romero, even though he played all seven games, there were some games that he came in the second half or came in late. So that's interesting. Then he got old Virgil with uh with Netherlands. In the Netherlands he had 49. Uh Lovren from Croatia also 46. Kulibali uh 40. Tim Ream 36. Well, that's why the US got knocked out. So there you go. If you want to make it to the uh, knockout stages, you gotta have 40, 50 clearances. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's not a single French, wasn't a single French thing. Person, the center back on that list, they didn't clear the ball. They they were building out of the back. Either that or they got scored on. Um, interceptions, Luka Modric. Chances created. Messi with 17 chances. Mm. Um, Griezmann only had 15. And then below that was Gap, uh, Gapko, Gapko, Gapko from the Netherlands with nine. Gapko that's going to uh, – he's on his way to uh, Liverpool, right? Oh, yeah? I think so. And then after that – I saw something – I saw, I saw a lineup with Liverpool, and it was Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil, and I think like Andy Robertson as the three, three backs – yeah, and then they had their six forwards because they're like loaded up with all those forwards. That's funny. Um, and then Di Maria with nine as well. Cool. And Di Maria only played five games. Um, then you had dribbles completed and Mbappe. Uh, probably not a not a huge surprise there. Yeah, he was just taking players uh, on. Messi had twenty one. Which I think is interesting, considering Messi's thirty-five years old and uh, Mbappe's twenty-three. That what they had the same amount of dribbles, almost the same amount of dribbles. It's because Messi, Messi's got that old head. He picks his moments. He's going to dribble. Mbappe was just like, "Yeah, look, I'm dribbling. Yeah, I'm gonna take you on." He's like the old Messi. Yeah. Um, and then you had uh, what's the next one? Clean sheets, Jordan Pickford, three clean sheets, and the least amount of goals allowed was Lucas uh Skoporski from Poland because he only played one game. When uh, didn't their keeper get wasn't their keeper the one that got red carded, or was it Wales? 
That was Wales. No, because that he's their other their keeper is Chesney. Wojak. So then you got team stats. So France with 16 goals. Argentina had 15. England had 13. Portugal uh, 12. Morocco only had six goals in the entire tournament. Keep it tight. Um, Keep it tight. Goals conceded. Costa Rica, three, 11 goals in three games. Well, I gave up seven so they, and one, so they started off real yeah. strong. Uh, Switzerland with nine. Argentina and France with eight goals apiece. But when you play, they played, what, seven games? Played seven games. Yeah, and you give up three. Both of them give up three apiece. I mean, that's where you, you expect to be, you know, at seven goals or around that number if you're playing seven games, right, against good yeah. competition. Yeah. I mean, when you give up 11 and three, that says something. But when you're giving up, like, eight and seven, you know, that it says something. Um, shots on goal. 49 shots on goal by Argentina. Brazil, 44. Boys from Brazil are shooting. France, 36. So that's like, what, five or six shots a game? Yeah. Well, you guys had 49, right? That's what, seven shots yeah. a game? Boys yeah. is out there shooting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, you got to shoot seven, the score, right? Got to shoot the score. You got to create chances to score goals. Because Qatar um, had one shot on goal the whole tournament. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then you have um, pass completions. Uh, Argentina had 3,649 passes completed. Where was Spain? Right behind them? Nope. Croatia was next with 3,503. Wow. And then Spain and then France. France France almost 1,000 less than Argentina, 2,900. Brazil, 2,500. I mean, what do you need to pass the ball for? Now, granted, Brazil only played five games instead of thirty-seven. But I mean, what do you need to pass the ball for? Just go to goal. True. Well, Brazil got all their passes. Who did they lose to? Croatia. Yeah, they got all those passes in that second half of that game, and then Croatia said, "Wait, hold up." They said, "Hold up." Um. No, they got a lot of their passes in the game against. Who they played the first, the first, the first, the round of sixteen, uh, Switzerland. Yeah, and they I went up four nothing. They yeah, went up four nothing in the first half. They just cooked them. So, Hibachi. Um, interceptions for Argentina with forty nine interceptions. Um, and then next is Morocco and Australia third. So I mean, Argentina was probably the the most well rounded team as far as, and Croatia wasn't far off from it. And you can see where Morocco had their strength to make it to the final four, right? Um, it's not a, it's not a coincidence that the top four teams in that list were were the team the top four teams. I mean, look at this. This is um, the next stat is free kicks. 
Uh, Argentina with 119 free kicks. Croatia, 103. Morocco, 102. France, 99. And those are the four teams that played seven games. Fouling out here. Who's getting fouled? Everybody's getting fouled. So, uh, and then the last one, or the last two, Croatia had the most amount of saves, which in that Brazil game you would have, you, you saw. And then, um, and then Morocco had four clean sheets, which, you know, that's a big part of their game and one of the reasons why they made it to the, yeah, that's why they did. Or the right, that's why they made it to the to the third or fourth place game. So, um, all right. Well, um, last interview of the year, Dwayne. Last interview, Dwayne, of the year. Um, Great guest. It's something, Great guest. Something with somebody we started with uh, when we talk about it right at the beginning of the interview. Uh, but uh, we're interviewing Kevin Coleman. He's a sporting Delaware technical director. Um, so we'll listen to that now. It's actually my my, you my initials uh, that um, David Knox from Episcopal he gave me. Well, my middle name. That, that's his well, name. I was going to say, do you even know the guy? KFC. Well, so all right. So Dwayne, we we have a we have a we have a guest on today, um, who we we've known or I've known for a while. I think this might be your. Is this your first time meeting him? First time meeting him. I heard about him in a bar in Kansas City. Yeah, we heard. So your name came up in a bar in Kansas City at the convention in January. <laughs> oh boy! Because they're like, "Oh wait, Delaware. Oh, do you know? Do you know? You know Kevin Coleman? Like, yeah. Uh, make make sure you tell him. Uh, well, now I forgot who it was. Uh, I but, think it's who he just said it. Yeah, was. yeah, I think it's just who he said. Yeah, and then he's like, "Well, just make sure you know. Just go up to him and be like, yo, KFC.'" <laughs> <laughs> so it was David Knox. Yes, that's incredible. I mean, yeah, coaches at like a private school, right? He does. Yeah, Episcopal Academy yeah. in uh, Newtown Square. Yeah, so David. Yeah, that, I, that, that's it to the T. Newtown Square. Yeah. That's incredible. Shout out to David Knox. <laughs> yeah, David Knox. We did uh, the Union Soccer Schools together, so we worked camp in the summer. Nice, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So we ran into him at a bar at uh, at what is it? Yard House. Yard House. Yeah, we ran into. That sounds about right. Yard House in. Uh, he was probably drinking Stella. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, we were limited in we were limited in options on what to feed Sebastian because uh you know Kansas City is known for their barbecue, but Sebastian doesn't do barbecue. What? I'm a vegetarian. Oh, okay. <laughs> Makes sense. So we, we just went to the yard house all, all three or four nights because yeah. he was like, Oh, I the can I can option. eat here. Like all these options, cool. I love this place. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. It's fun. <laughs> Yeah, um, I won't tell you what the middle initial is that he made. Uh, no, we, yeah, yeah, we we, we found out. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like Lil Wayne. We yeah. know we know what the F stands for. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, all right, so I mean, yeah, so Kevin Coleman, the technical director at Sport in Delaware, is here with us. Uh, Kevin, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Who else is here? Yeah. <laughs> David that Knox. Plant. We brought David Knox. Yeah. Um, so Kevin, we want to just learn about you. Um, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to sporting in a second, but we want to just learn about you. And so how did you get started with, uh, with coaching soccer and just soccer in general? Um, yeah, I mean, my, uh, started with my dad. I mean, my dad was a, a college coach for 20 years. So I was the the little kid on the sideline, running the line, being the ball boy. Um, I got to travel with him, which was really cool. Um, I got passed around the van, you know, got to do flights. It was, yeah, they, they were the guys that, um, 
we were doing WWF wrestling in the, in the <laughs> hotel rooms. And I was, I was the annoying little kid that was just always around. So, um, yeah, it was cool. I got to do a lot with my dad and watch the game, learn the game, you know, fell in love with the game because of him. Um, he was a police officer, so he worked night work and then did that during the day. Wow. I never realized until I'm in this now, how much, yeah. um, he, he did. So that was, it was pretty cool to, to kind of have that epiphany now, but, um, I played, um, I played at LaSalle university, um, you know, much like everybody thought I was going to play pro and that was going to be it. And I didn't have to worry about anything else. So didn't have a pro career. Um, it's small one. I played indoor a little bit, but, um, with the kicks for two seasons, but nothing crazy. Um, I was, I had torn my hamstring. I was home from Virginia beach and my high school, uh, coach said, why don't you come be an assistant for the year? I need help. Went there, kind of loved it. It was fun, you know, coaching at, at your high school. And he just said to me, why don't you be a teacher, have the summers off, coach high school. I was like, man, that sounds like a, a, a good life. So um, I went back to LaSalle University as a grad assistant, thinking I was going to do that, get yep. my master's in education. Um, and then had the first season there. And I was like, nah, not, no chance. I'm going into a classroom. <laughs> uh, this this is what I want to do. I want to be a college coach. So. Uh, I did that for three years at LaSalle, um, jumped over to Villanova for a season. And while that was happening, the the union stuff was starting to get started. Um, and just with college, you know, it's, it's a quick season. Yeah. You do so much other stuff, fundraising and scouting and recruiting, which is fun, but uh, the coaching part is just not enough. So um, the union was coming along. Uh, I was lucky enough, Phil Karn, I talked to, him and Ian Monroe were doing kind of the union junior stuff there. They got me involved. I was just kind of showing up. Um, and Ian is just, if you've ever met Ian Monroe, he's, um, an amazing person, but, uh, teacher. So kind of drew me in a little bit. I ended up leaving there, um, to the union soccer schools at first, and then they had a full-time job at YC. So I ended up there probably a year later. So, from there on, it was just union, 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 um, for nine and a half years that flew by, but, um, I got to experience a lot there. It was, it was really cool. Um, different levels, different layers. They were kind of building it as, yeah. as they were going, they always, you know, the joke of like building the plane as you're flying it. So, um, constantly changing, adapting every year, they, they changed a little bit and obviously turned it into a, a pretty cool product. So I was lucky enough. I ran the juniors program for a little bit. Um, you know, guys like Mark McKenzie and Brendan Aronson, Khalil, the came through, um, Anthony Fontana, local Delaware kids, PA Jersey. We didn't really have any, any boundaries. So, um, the top, the best of the best, it was free. It was, it was kind of an amazing setup, um, that, that Richie Graham laid out for everyone. Um, so that was, that was fun. What a, you um, did you ever think? the union was going to have the success that it ended up having when you first started out, as far as like, you know, the last two or three years have been amazing. Obviously with them this year, making it to the finals. Did you think that's where it was building? Like that was the ultimate goal or do you think it was just more of like, Hey, if we do the the small things right at the end of the day, we'll end up finding success from a results perspective at the first team level. It, it, it's interesting because, um, you have guys like like Richie Graham and, and Rob Buccini and Jay Sugarman who they don't do anything unless it's, you know, top. So yeah. uh, you always had that in the back of your mind. Um, 
you just never knew leadership in the club changed. And, you know, I got to see a lot of cool things and different styles and what you like and what you don't like. And, um, yeah, you never really knew the the potential it was going to get. And we never thought that the players we had were going to make an impact like they started to towards the end. But again, that was a long process. That took 10 years. So people think it happens overnight. And I think Ian's mentality, community, consistency, um, he wanted big numbers. You know, we had 60 kids per age group and uh, people thought he was crazy, but he's not because top kids at 10 weren't even around, um, you know, at 14. So he kept kids around and, and gave them a chance and you knew that with him, it, it was going to be something special. And then Tommy Wilson came in and, you know, his experience with Rangers and the, you know, the Scottish FA, you know, he built it into something even more than, than we thought it would be. So, um, you knew it was coming. We just didn't know when it would come and and didn't really think it would have the impact that it had on, um, the, the first team, which you're starting to see. Yeah. And I think that's the, in, I feel like that's to a certain extent. We talk about the union quite a bit on the podcast, but it's we notice it from a. It's not what every other MLS team does, mm-hmm. right? Or at least from from the outsider's perspective of like, you know, everybody else is trying to sign, you know, the the Gareth Bale or, or whoever the old, guy, the old guys, yeah, <laughs> either that or just the idea of just like, hey, can I, you know, you see the union brings in, they bring in players, mm-hmm. but the reality is the, the, a lot of it is trusting the Brendan Aronson, now Paxton Aronson, Mark McKenzie, Fontana, all those players that have come up through the ranks. Is that, is that the same thing that happens in the Academy level? Like, is that, is, is it, Hey, can we develop, can we develop, can we develop, can we develop, or is it, you know, can I just find, you know, or is it a mixture of things? Yeah, I, I think it is a mixture. I, I think the one thing the union did and they fought with early days was what they wanted to be. Um, I think some people wanted to to bring in the big names and the the superstars and, you know, the instant success. And, and you had another front that wanted to build. And I think being there, you could see it battle a little bit back and forth. But I think they they stuck to what they, you know, they they went for it and they stuck to it. And it took a while to go. But now you're you're really seeing the the 10 years, the 12 years of of the work being done coming through. Um I think it, it it is. It's it's picking an identity and and sticking to that, not not really changing or wavering. Cause you, you see different areas. I mean, the galaxies and the the Red Bulls and the NYCFCs that they've tried to just buy names and yeah. it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really yeah, it doesn't always work. It, it, you, you might have success for a season or here and there, but there's a lot more misses than there are, I think, hits. So, yeah, I think I think the union do a great job of just building the culture. I mean, you, you take a guy like Alejandro Bedoya that's been in the national team that's had probably the biggest, you know, from a fame perspective career. And he's always been like the guy that's the workhorse. He's always been the grinded out kind of guy. And that's the union. You know, that's it seems like that's what they build in their academy. So he, he fits right in. And he can help guide the youth with the, you know, with his experience and stuff that he's gone through. Yeah, you, you need that, right? You can't you can't have a locker room of of a bunch of teenagers. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, they, they don't know what they're doing or, or how they should be. And you need someone to teach them. I mean, Ali is um, I've gotten to speak to him just a handful of times, but just an incredible person first. And that I think that's the biggest piece and the biggest thing Jim does really, really well when you look at his teams and success over the years, it's always that cornerstone. Um, 
person that, that kind of helps helps everybody yeah. else. You know, the the Brian Carrolls, the um, um, Barnett. Uh, I'm trying to think of two or three others that he's had come through that that have just been great cultural pieces that that make everything work. I mean, Andre is is that. You know, Jacob yeah. Glesnes is that. Um, they're the guys so that, pro guys everybody's a professional but you need that guy that's just going to be a pro day yes. in and day out show up every day set the example this is what's expected and not let anything waver in the locker room i mean andre blake's a captain of his national team yeah. too right so like that that there helps that helps when it comes back to your locker room right big time and i mean he was <clears throat> he was a kid you know he was the kid in the locker room from coming out of uconn at he was the young guy. So th- he learned that over the years. And that's just being around the other guys that Jim's been able to, to bring in and kind of help massage the, <laughs> there's a lot of egos you got to deal with. So yeah. um, it, it, one thing you've never seen is really issues in the locker room, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, you can talk about issues in the locker room. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, can talk about what us soccer said. <laughs> yeah, I know but the dirt that, that starts to leak out. Yeah. And, you know, and that, yeah. that's, that's a credit to Jim though, because, I'm sure there's stuff that goes on, but nobody hears about it because yeah. what happens in the locker room stays, stays in the locker room. room. And that's, that's culture. That's, that's building culture. Hey, well, man, when you wear Jordans, when you wear Jordans on the sideline, you know, it says something, but you gotta, you gotta tighten up that locker room too. I mean, how cool he can just do whatever, you know, he was custom suits forever. And then all of a sudden he became a, a t-shirt and sneaker guy and it, and it was cool, you know, and now you see the national team. Yeah. Coach doing this. <laughs> He's a trendsetter. There you go. And I, and I, I've spoken about this before. Um, so Dan Simmons and I went to do a tour of the union um, facility, like the Academy that we went to YSC, we, went, we saw the school. And one of the things that stuck out to me was the fact that when we walked, anytime we saw any player, they were just stop, shake our hands and drew themselves and then just keep walking. Right. Like that, that to me always sticks with me. Um, and Dan has a better memory for that stuff than I do as far as like, well, I saw, I think we saw this kid and I think he was like, he claims that we, Brendan Aronson was, was there one day at school and we, you know, he saw us and <laughs> shook our hands and we're like, all right, whatever, man, like, that's fine. We'll go with it. Um, that's, a, that's a Dan Simmons <clears throat> bar, story, bar story. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but transitioning from there to now at sporting at the youth level, what, what was that transition like? Cause I'm assuming it's, it's a big transition and not only is it from a, from a, um structural perspective is like the day-to-day stuff but also just from a playing perspective right now you're dealing with a different different levels of soccer and yeah. you're doing girl soccer too now and so what was it, that like you know it was <clears throat> we did have we had girl soccer we had uh the girls union juniors yeah. there yeah. which was cool um you know so that that was for me it was great to you take all the experiences as you go and you take one two little pieces out of it and it was just it was so clear how much more mature the girls were than the boys at those ages. It was incredible. Um, coaching them. Hey, you would ask this and they just did it. It was unbelievable. The boys, you were like, Phew. you know, you had to, you had to wrangle them in first and and pin them down to actually tell them something. So, um, you know, those experiences were, were cool to leave a professional environment. That was, everything was free to a pay to play model is completely different. Um, the structure was completely different. And then my role was completely different. I mean, I was a coach. I had 18 guys and that was your responsibility all day, every day. That's all you thought about. And that was, that was great. Um, here was like, Oh, okay. I don't have a team. I, I have a different team. Now I have a bunch of adults and mm-hmm. you know, you have parents and it was easy there because when 
something went wrong or went bad, you, you know, you looked at Tommy and you said, Hey, what are we doing? And now you come here and something goes wrong or bad. And you have, you know, 12, 15 people looking at you. And that's not a, you know, it's not an easy place to be, but for me, it, it's helped a ton of, to kind of grow and, and develop personally, which has been, has been a fun journey. Um, you know, the U S soccer course I did last year was a director course year long. So you were on, um, zooms and in-person meetings with i think it was like 18 clubs around the country from the westons in miami to um lafc's to minnesota's to small clubs in iowa to dc to so it was it was really cool to connect with people and just get a feel for for what the the landscape is and you just see how different everywhere is it was pretty pretty amazing so you're a year and a half into it um is that it <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it felt, like, it felt like five, right? <laughs> um, so you're a year and a half in. Um, what do you potentially miss about the the MLS Academy level of it? And what do you really enjoy about the fact that you're at the youth level now that like um what do I miss? Uh I, I miss the players to be honest. Um, I mean I the fact that like Brendan Aronson still sends you a message during the world cup and and his dad's sending me videos of the the players lounge. And, um, he still calls you coach, which is hilarious. It's like, you miss that. You miss the, the bonds and the, you helped kids. I mean, you have like Derek Jones back in town, um, who you worked with as a little kid, who's a grown man now, you know, playing for Charlotte and, you know, Khalil who is in free agency now. And, you know, Cole Turner from the union, who was all these kids you worked with when they were 10 and 12 and they're coming to you for advice. They're grown men now. It's, um, you miss that for sure. That's, that's probably the biggest piece I miss, um, is just the kids and the, the, the players and the families that you meet, um, being here is the, it's, it's such like, um, an open canvas and there's so much potential and you, you see the players down here, you see the young Mark McKenzie's already and the Anthony Fontana's and the Khalil's. Um, you see them in your groups at, at 10 and it, that's the really exciting part is I think there's so much talent down this way um, that, that we can help, you know, provide a platform with to, to achieve the, those, those bigger levels. Nice. Um, so ECNL girls Academy. So girls, obviously ECNL has been around a lot mm -hmm. longer. Girls Academy is still fairly new. Mm -hmm. um, where have you seen that growth in comparison to what, you know, the U S soccer developmental Academy was now what MLS next is. And where, cause I know it's, it's, it's confusing at times. It very. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so where have you seen it, you know, from the beginning of it to now where it's progressed and, you know, kind of where do you see it going? Yeah. I think the, the commitment of the GA to the players is really the, the exciting part. I mean, they, a national platform for the girls, um, but just how invested they are in the girls. Um, you know, they have like the sideline project, which we're a member of and a partner of now that that puts out information on girls. You know, it's all for the girls. They have a a um, a committee with players from all the different areas that get together. So they, they they've really built a, a really cool sense of community. Whereas, I mean, I started in the DA the first year. I remember sitting with John Hackworth in a in a tent in 2007 with I was a, an assistant coach with FC Delco at the time. Um, it was our first season in, we were playing the national team. It was, you know, a cool vibe, but it didn't have the the sense of community that, that the girls kind of Academy has, has really done in such a short span of time. Where do you see it going? I think the sky's the limit for them. Um, you know, they, 
there's a lot of interest. They have a, a great um, grasp of, you know, different markets and they're committed to, to make it the, the best thing possible. So um, we're really excited to be a part of that and the, the partner with them. You know, I think they, the fact that you can, you can speak to people on the committee, you can speak to the president. Like, I think that's tells a lot of kind of what they're trying to achieve and, and who they are as people. Which, Do you think the MLS will, or the MLS clubs will get to a point where they'll start trying to partner up on the girl side of soccer? I could, I could definitely see that. I think they're, maybe loosely doing that yeah. currently um with MLS next in the GA so um yeah i think there's there's a ton of opportunity there on the girl side for sure um where do you see where do you see sporting kind of going and where do you see the kind of the future of Delaware soccer or region 1 soccer for for that matter yeah i mean it, it's funny the for me the focus has really, you know, I, I feel bad at times, like just been the zone one. I mean, yeah. I'm just looking at the the base and, you know, what habits we can start there. Cause I, you know, it was really fun to watch the the talent that's in the ECNL age groups last year on the boys side. Um, but it's even for me, it was like, okay, we're, we're in a good spot there. I just dove right into zone one. And that was my, my biggest focus. So um, the youth and, and the younger trying to build and grow that um, the boy side, I think is you're seeing it with, um, you know, the flowers twins who got the opportunity to go up to the new England revolution. And so we're, we're a platform for, for players right now to, to jump into bigger and better things, which is for us is really exciting. Um, Delaware specifically, even more exciting. You see, um, you know, what Tommy's doing as the, the new head coach at university of Delaware, we met Kelly, which is going to be, we're, we're excited for, for them to come in and they're really um, I guess aware and and uh, interested in the community too, and local. Uh, we've had I think three boys already jump into the the boys program. We have um, we had one girl last year into the girls program. So I think that's uh, there's a transition kind of happening in Delaware, which is which is pretty cool to be a part of. Um. Oh man, I just lost my lost my train of thought. I had this whole question like in my head, and then it just it happens. I feel like I'm a terrible host right now. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, here it is. Um, and you and I have had this conversation about um, coaching education. Mm -hmm. How important coaching how how important is is coaching education to you in general, and how does that play a role into your role here at Sport and Delaware? Yeah, I mean it's the most important piece. I, I coached for eight years until I met Ian Monroe and, and became a part of the union kind of brand and culture. And after being there for a year, I looked back and I was like, "Man, what have I been doing for the last eight years?" You know, because that was not coaching. Um, I don't know what I was doing. It's so important for young coaches specifically to see and hear other ideas, see other um, you know different people's approaches, and all those things help build me into the coach that I was, um, you know, I like this, I don't like this, you know, here are different ways to, to speak to players here. It's, it's a million different opportunities that, that pop up. And the more you can be around people in the game and, and network, I mean, even you just said there, like you met someone in St. Louis that, yeah. you know, knew who you were. It's a, it's such a small community, but I think it's so important to, to network and get out there and see what else is out there and see what other people are doing. Cause um, the game's always changing and, you know, kids are always changing. So if you kind of stay in one lane and don't, don't ever adapt or change the way you do things, I think you're, you're, you're going to limit yourself. So uh, for us here in this role, 
I think that's probably the thing I've done the worst job at, if I'm being honest, I, I, trying to find opportunities, um, you know, with, in Philadelphia, everyone was there full time. That was your job. Yeah. So Monday morning at 12, you had coaches education every Monday, all the coaches were there. Um, here I learned, I, I thought I was going to do the same and it's, it's definitely very different. So I'm trying to navigate how to get, you know, your part-time guys and your teachers during the day and your full-time guys, how you merge them all together, the boy side, the girl side, everything's different nights. Um, that's been the biggest challenge. So, um, I think for me personally, that's, that's where I have to do a better job of. And we, we talk about, we talk about constantly about not only is it, it's great to talk about the things that we're, we're all kind of good at and we're, but it's also, I think it's more important to talk about the things that the areas of improvement, right? Yeah. Cause it's being vulnerable is not, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Right. But so knowing, but knowing what, um, how does that help your ability to do that? And we just said, how did that help you connect with the players I used to coach at the union? Um, well, I mean, I, I think it's, you need that, right? Isn't that, that's basically what coaching is. It's like figuring out what you're not good at and trying to help the the players, you know, with that. Right. It's like, absolutely. Hey, yeah. You look at a player, Hey, what, what are your deficiencies? And I'm going to coach you. I'm going to help you in those deficiencies. So uh, deficiencies is good. I mean, Ian used to say it all the time, like, make training exercises where players fail, where yeah. they struggle because with struggle and failure is like your, it's, it's your teaching moments. Right. So it's the same thing with adults. Like, but I think everyone kind of puts their guard up and no one wants to be seen as, you know, the, the person needs help in different areas. And I think that's where people struggle. Um, you know, for me here in this role, like managing adults and having difficult conversations, I struggled with for sure. Last year, I avoided them and you can't, cause that that's what, you know, it comes back to bite you. Um, so trying to do more of that, I think, yeah, being awareness is a, is a big piece of it. So what am I good at? What are you not good at? And then surround yourself with people that, that are good at those things or, you know, I think that that's the bigger part and building the staff has been fun. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that when I came in, were here already that, that do a great job. So you start with a good layer and then every year you start to add more to that, I think is the, that's the key to it. And, and that's kind of the fun part. Cool. Awesome. It's just like a, a coach with a team, you know, yeah. like you have your, your players and you're trying to find like the, the different areas and, and pieces that you need to that make you have an, an even better team. Um, usually we ask one last question at the end, yeah. uh, when, when, especially when you have new people come into the podcast. So yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dwayne, you want to take it away? Uh-oh. Yeah. Can you, uh, name your three favorite soccer players Ooh. of all time? Three of favorite. All time. Yeah. Anytime. Uh, wow. That's a good question. Um, Zidane for me was, was top, um, technical, intelligent, tough, little attitude, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I love that. I vibe with that. Um, he was top. <laughs> this is my wife will like me for this one too. David Beckham. I mean, come on, <laughs> you got to throw him in there. Um, where he mixed like the sport and being a, like a celebrity and an icon and all that stuff. Um, so you know, uh, you see the, the, the commercial with Peyton Manning, yeah. um, just, I think that sums yeah. them up, right. It's like two, you know, he's like the Peyton Manning for, for, for that side of the the world. Um, and then I gotta be home, you know, come on, you gotta throw Brendan Aronson out as the last one. Right. I mean, a, a kid at 10 that, that came in was told he was too small everywhere he went, um, struggled, 
you know, at 15 and 16 here could barely get on the field in, in the union, uh, barely played as that will remind you, he never started or finished a full game. Um, and then just humble. I mean, he puts his head down and works. I don't think he knows he's a, an international star yet, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, just wants to, you know, play video games and hang out with his family. So, um, yeah, I got to throw him in there. He's, he's, uh, he's an incredible person. So it's, it's cool to see him have success like that. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. Hopefully this won't be the, it'll be the first time, but it won't be the last time that you'll be on. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it sounds back. We'll see the feedback he gets, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, so I'm giving you, I'm giving you the inside scoop here. So obviously we're recording this, uh, before, uh, it's coming out, but this, this is the last episode of the year. Okay. You are the last, you're the last guest of 2022. Ooh. You guys, uh, yeah, this could, this could tank your ratings. Into 2023 here. Save the best for last, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I, I mean, Hey, we started the year off. We started the year off strong. You know, we had guys like, um, Vince Gansberg that were on the podcast, Dan Abraham. Um, uh, what was her name that played Stacey on the Wilson. Olympic team? Stacy Wilson. Stacy Wilson. We tried to get Jermaine Jones. Um, this guy got rushed off by a serious XM. Um, <laughs> I was sitting there waiting. I'm sitting at the booth just waiting for him to be done with his interview. And then serious XM, the guy, a couple guys in suits come and just like take him out of the way. I'm like, dang, man, just need to like five minutes with this guy. Um, so, I mean, we started off strong with the convention. So that's always a high point. But hey, listen. We started off hearing about you at the convention too, so no yeah. doubt we'll we'll be right. able to there. Get you yeah, back. we started the year hearing about KFC, and we end the year with KFC. With KFC, that's amazing. Actually, we'll uh, we'll see we'll see who we can um, I could squeeze uh, out of the the Union Academy or get get yeah. some guys. We we can definitely. There's better guests than me for sure. That, that we get on here. <laughs> well, I mean, Johnny Shear was one of our fa- one of our first guests yeah. that we've had too. John's great, great guy. I, I got to work with him a lot, which is been fun to see his success and his yeah. you know his ladder he he was a key to the union academy being so successful at, at times there so yeah well, was, a side note yeah. i tried to get john in as a coach early in his career um with the union juniors full-time but i was denied and then the following year he came back in as a scout so he, he big time you know, but... <laughs> I'm, be- I'm better than you yeah. <laughs> i'm bigger than you yeah, he was on to bigger and better things. I, I think he made the right choice. <laughs> That's funny. Well, Kev, thanks so much yeah. for coming on. No, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, Dwayne, player of the match. Player of the match. Kind of a tough one considering that, like. Now nah, there was games just today. I haven't been able to. I watched about 25 minutes of the Arsenal West End game. That's all I've been able to watch down here. Uh, I guess because you couldn't watch the city game because Julian is still partying and up in Buenos Aires. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. in the squad. Messi no. didn't play yesterday. No, he did not. Neymar got red carded yesterday. Ne- Neymar got red carded. I saw that. Mbappe got yellow carded for excessive celebration. He was just killing time. <laughs> uh, I mean. I hate to be redundant, but you got to give it to uh, good old Erling. I was actually going to say the same exact thing for two reasons for me. One, because obviously he scored two goals against Leeds. Um, but also because he came out and saying the fact that like 
he gets fired up about the fact that his team didn't make the World Cup and all these other players got to play in the World Cup, but just gets him mad and just wants him wants just gives him like the confidence and boost that he needs. Well, yeah, I mean, Man City, I think, had the second highest amount of players that played in the World Cup, I think, was 16. Um, yeah, I mean, they remember, remember they had that video. I remember I sent you that video. If you haven't seen it, please go look it up. It's a video I think that Manchester City did um, of Erlen Holland uh, alone in the Manchester City complex, uh, saying he's waiting for the World Cup to end because he uh, he's basically lonely. Yeah, he has no teammates. <laughs> they all yeah. went to the World Cup. Yeah, I mean Scott Carson was probably still there, <laughs> right? Just like it was him and Scott Carson. Yeah, that's it. Zach Steph. Oh no, Zach Steph is not there anymore. Yeah, Zach Steph is not there. Yeah, him um, and Scott Carson were hanging out. And Mares. No, I, I Mares. I agree with you. I think, um, I think, I think Erling Holland deserves the player of the week. The player of the player of the player of the week. week, Yeah, because I mean he's played the most games this week with two because they played in the FA Cup last week. They did. I think he scored there too. Could could we say that? If we're giving out, let's just say we're giving out yearly awards, which we're going to try to do when we come back. We're going to do an award ceremony <laughs> for the for the give, best in 2022. We're going to give some players a chance to play a game in the next three days. Yeah, let's see what happens. Consideration. Um, but could you imagine? Like, so let's just say if you were to give out an award for the best player of the year that was not in the World Cup. Andre, You'd have to go to Erling, Erling Holland, right? Andre Blake. Not Erling Holland. Andre Blake. All right. Goalkeeper and field player. Oh, yeah. You can give one to Erling. Andre Blake, though. I think I, I mean, I, Erling, here's the thing. Erling is the best player on the field. He scores goals everywhere. But, but I think I think you get into this when you say the best player. There was a stat. There was a stat that came up. Okay, some some small technical difficulties, but we're back. Um, so the point I was trying to make, Dwayne, is that there was a stat that so far Chelsea has 19 goals in the season, and Erling Haaland by himself has 20. Yeah. So, I I think that's just. And, and this is his first year in the Premier League, and nobody expected him to do this well. And he's been absolutely outstanding. So he has 45 goals in 2022. And 20 came in from August till now. He was hurt. I'm talking about January. I'm talking about for Dortmund in January this year. He, he has 45 goals. I mean, the guy's an absolute monster. He started the year off with two goals, ended the year off with two goals. The guy's a beast. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to do the on this day in soccer history. Um, December 30th, 2009. We're going to stick with the Premier League here. Uh, at Fratton Park, Portmouth, Portsmouth versus Arsenal. You know what was really interesting about this this uh, fixture here, Dwayne? Uh, Portsmouth was, uh, was in the Premier League. There wasn't a single English player, English-born player, on the pitch out of twenty-two players. 
Wow. That's, in- that's interesting. Especially coming from Portsmouth. Like, you don't expect it from Arsenal, but, like, from Portsmouth, that's interesting. You have seven players from France. Um, and then you had players from Iceland, Algeria, Croatia, Ghana, Cameroon, Bosnia, Belgium, South Africa, Israel, and Scotland, Wales, and Ireland. Uh, and just before the final whistle, each team brought in an English club. The Premier League called and said, yeah, we find an all y'all for not putting in any English guys. Very interesting. Um, all right, fair play of the week. So I can guess. I bet you Arsenal subbed in like Theo Walcott. <laughs> Maybe. Um, all right, play, fair play of the week. Fair play of the week? Yeah, my fair play of the week um, I think it's going to go out to, and I got a list. I mean, we'll talk about it uh, when we come back in the new year. But I got a list of the players that didn't get to play in the World Cup. And I want to go through that list. But my fair play that goes out to any field player specifically. Goalkeepers are always harder. Um, but any field player that did not get to play in the World Cup, it was there. Trained every time and didn't see a single minute in at least three games. Um, Shout out to uh, Luca Della Torre. Yeah. Uh, um. So so yeah, I'd like to I'd like to do a little segment on them. But my favorite player that got to those players that that at least got some trading in in the three weeks that they were there. Yeah. Um. I mean, to piggyback off that, I was reading something where. Uh, Umtiti, he he got hurt right before the 2018 World Cup and, you know, decided against surgery, wanted to play for France, ended up winning the World Cup. But that's kind of where his career started to decline because he got hurt and he never recovered and he went back to preseason and played. And then now he has all these knee injuries. I think he's playing in like, I think he's playing in like the second division in Italy or something like that, or he's playing in Italy. And, yeah. you know, hasn't played a ton. He's just trying to work his way back. But, yeah, Umtiti, that, that's a tough decision because you don't know where you're going to be in the next four years. Like, you know, you get called up to the World Cup and you're hurt. Yeah. And it's like, am I going to be here in four years? What can happen in the next four years? Like, is France still going to be good in the next four years? Like, I mean, you got, Big, you ben, go. Big, Big Ben's, I think, might end up playing in that, might be in that boat, who? Big Ben. Big Ben's retired. He retired from the national team, but he might end up in the second division of Italy soon. Hey, he's going to be getting buckets. <laughs> he might end up at the uh, MLS. Maybe. Um. All right. So before we leave, I uh, want to remind everybody, uh, we're going to be at the convention, uh, the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. January 11th through the 15th. As a listener of this podcast, we're excited to offer you a special registration rate for the 2023 United Soccer Coaches Convention. Use the promo code DSOC with two C's, 23. D-E-S-O-C-C-23 to register for only $375 during the largest gathering of soccer coaches, administrators, and firms. Visit United Soccer Coaches Convention today and use the promo code DCSOCC23 at checkout to save.
That's on us right there, man. That's that's us giving you that code. That's the that's, that's soccer, soccer podcast. podcast saving you some money. Yeah, life. yeah, man. That's the soccer podcast saving you some money. Come hang out with us. Come hang out at the um at the uh, at the booth. I might be bringing back some Argentinian stuff to give out. Take the bring the stuff. You know the money you save. Buy us something. I might, I might bring something back. The money, the money you save with our registration code. Buy us lunch. Buy us lunch. Or we can be on the podcast at lunch. That's right. Who knows? Uh, we might, we might. I might be bringing back some jerseys from Argentina to give away. Yeah, give me a McAllister jersey. I'll get you a McAllister jersey, man. I got you. I'm gonna dye my hair red. <laughs> well, um. For the end of 2022, as we close out the year, um, again, just want to say thank you to everybody. I love the fact that the next episode after this one kicks off our third year of a podcast. Um, we started in 2020 and it'll be 2023. Um, excited that in two weeks we're going to be at the convention and we're going to be a bunch of people. Um, Maybe doing some live things for the first time. Um, just really excited stuff, exciting stuff coming to, coming up uh, for this podcast. Um, and honestly, couldn't do it without you. So I'm thankful for another year with you by my side on this journey. Appreciate you, man. It's been fun. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for oh my goodness, I messed it up. Uh, thanks for joining us this week, and remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>